0: No purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Blog Talk Radio.
0: The Pipe Bomb Radio Network proudly presents Pipe Bomb Radio. The show with the freshest insight, interviews, and opinions on the world of professional wrestling. With your host, El Jefe Felix Olmedo, the Godfather Nate Milton, Godfather the High. and the Aztec Warrior Alex Cruz.
1: I'm an Aztec Warrior! Ah!
0: So sit back and relax because Pipe Bomb Radio goes live now. It's
1: showtime, folks!
2: Welcome, everybody, to Pipe Bomb Radio. Sorry for the bumpy start there. We are live on the air now. Uh, Alex Cruz is actually on assignment this week. He's actually out of town. Uh, Nate may not make it. So guess what? The boss is running the show tonight. So if he makes it, he makes it. If not, that's okay, too. Uh, and nonetheless, we do have a guest on this week. Uh, he's actually making his return to the show. He actually was on Pipe Bomb Radio, gosh, I want to say about a year and a half Almost two years ago Maybe, maybe I don't remember exact year But bear with me, I'm getting old What can I say uh, We have Mr. John Saxon coming back to the show To let us know what he's been up to what he's uh, Since he was last on the show And what he's up to these days right now and I believe he has been patiently waiting So we're not going to make him wait any longer Without any further ado The one and only Mr. John Saxon Live on the air What's going on guys? How you doing How Mr. You Saxon? Doing this is Felix I'm good. I'm good. Long time, no talk, sir. Oh, absolutely, man. How's, uh, how's life, you? Uh, you know, no complaints, just living a good life, trying to keep everybody entertained as best as we can. And, you know, I'm just thankful that the show has been on the air as long as it has been. I, you know, I've been blessed in many aspects. I know the first time we got you on the show, it was through, uh, my former partner, uh, Austin. You remember Austin, right? Right. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Absolutely. And then, and then of course this time around, uh, Got my uh, new partner in this case Which is Alex And it's convenient He he get, he, he, gets, he gets to help me uh, bring you on the show And then he disappears So I'm like well okay I'll <laughs> have him take it up with Mr. Saxon when he comes back So y'all can uh, deal with that when he comes back uh, yeah. But um, looks like my other partner here Is actually calling in So we'll bring him on He is the one and only Mr. Nate Milton
0: Nate you there pal? What's going on brother Felix? How are we doing this week?
2: Uh, no complaints, man. Just sitting here talking to our guest, Mr. John Saxon.
0: Hello. Hey, how you
3: doing, John? Uh?
2: Oh, man, if I was any better, I'd find a way to mess it up.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, let's get this party started. You know, we we had you on the show a few years ago, and I just wanted to find out what's been going on in the life of uh, John Saxon. What's new? What uh, what you working on these days? And uh, how's life for you? Oh, uh, you know, man, busy, busy. Uh, the, the
1: older
3: I get in the wrestling business, the, the more I think I'm going to gonna stop doing it, and then the busier I get, <laughs> it changes my mind every time. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, I cannot complain. I'm I'm extremely busy, and for a guy in the later stages of a career, that's always kind of a, some days it's a mesmerizing thing, and then uh, other days it just seems like normal life because I've been doing it so long. But uh, good, I cannot complain a bit. I've been very, very busy.
2: How long have you actually been in the wrestling business for those of us, for those who uh, haven't, uh, haven't talked to or or don't know about John Saxon. Tell us how long you've been in the wrestling. Actively in the ring, 26 years. Wow.
1: Damn. Um,
2: That's good.
3: I started about two years prior to that. Um, I actually, a lot of people don't know. I actually started off as a promoter (laughs) because, uh, yeah, yeah, couldn't get anybody to train me. Um, Typical, typical fan, I would hang around buildings and try to talk to guys, and I was trying to find a way in the industry, and back then, it was very difficult, and, uh, mm-hmm. y- you know, you just, you couldn't really, I couldn't find anybody to, to take a chance on me, so what I did is I bought and promoted the shit, and I figured, hey, if I pay you guys, somebody will have to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
1: There
0: you go. Okay. All right. Man. Yeah. I think it's 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 almost I, kind of I, perfect, Felix. That you know, th- this is the week that uh, John comes on, considering all of the, I guess you could call it the the, the noise, uh, the tempest, and the teapot over the weekend. I guess between old school and new school, in, in terms of wrestling ideals, oh, and
1: you know, okay. John, being
0: somebody that's been in the business for this long, I'm sure you've seen both sides of the coin. And I'm wondering, you know, as somebody that you know has been around for a while, but also is still currently doing it. Uh, what what's your take on, on this whole debate that I guess popped up uh last week? You
3: know, um I, I'm gonna assume I'm assuming that you know, guys y'all forgive me, I am not great with social media, uh, but I do I do follow. I, obviously nowadays that's how you, you have to network and, and what not. I I'm gonna assume that this is is about the the Randy Orton Twitter thing, which I did yep. see. Um and, you know, it is amazing to me because I, as long as I've been in, I've seen both sides. I started when there was still some territory left. But then again, um, I want to say, and I'm familiar with Chris Marvel out of, out of South Texas, um, I ended up doing a, a show for Lance Hoyt in uh, Texas. It was a benefit show. A lot of people uh, may or may not know Lance broke his back in Japan. And uh, we did a, a huge fundraising event in his home hometown to raise raise some money for Lance because once again, Lance is he's out of work at the moment. He's rehabbing through a back injury, and and I've always considered Lance an amazing Lance talent too. True, oh, phenomenal! Well, amazing human being. And uh, in Absolutely. our industry, you'll cross paths with people, and some people will really touch your your life personally. And when I was doing TV at TCW with Lance, he did that. And I've always thought the world of him, and it was it was so funny um, that you bring this up because I, I, I would be considered I guess when people tell you oh you're a strong style worker, I, I never knew what that exactly meant. I just knew that uh, when I was coming up, the guys that I enjoyed would have been con- guys like Buzz Sawyer would have been considered I guess strong style because Buzz would beat crap out of you, and but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Buzz also had an amateur wrestling background. But,
1: Ooh.
3: what a character, you know? <laughs> so,
1: um,
3: long story really short. I, I went from being in a tag match, what I thought was going to be a tag match, with Steve Anthony, and we'd been longtime friends and tag team partners over the years. Um, he couldn't make the event. I'd get there and he'd say, well, guess what? You're in a six-man scrambled junior heavyweight match.
1: <laughs> and <laughs> nice. I
3: thought, you got to huh. be. I'm probably the oldest guy on the show, and... You're going to do this? Are you kidding me? And uh, I'm sure y'all for me, uh, Barrett Brown. Barrett yep. Brown was one of the guys, another very young, talented guy that we helped bring along in TCW. Uh, Gregory James, who is a phenomenal talent, um, once again, junior heavyweight. Uh, and it was kind of funny because I thought, wow, really? Y'all expect me to go do all this? Because they're going to want to flip and dive and, and do all these things, and academy says, wow, I really don't want to do that. Uh, but the other half says, you know what? It's what they do. So and where I'm at, I need to show people that I still can do this, if necessary. And so I'm kind of on both sides of the fence here today. Um, I have always maintained, and being a, being considered a junior heavyweight myself, I would always tell guys, we're, we're not the main event. Um, mm-hmm. The only exception to that rule I would think would be Eddie Guerrero Eddie proved me wrong but Eddie was an exception <laughs> uh, and Eddie got there because yeah. Vince saw what a what a charismatic guy his character to me is what got him there uh, yeah. the fact he was a heavyweight didn't really matter he transitioned from that much like AJ Styles had. AJ mm-hmm. just has transitioned to being such a phenomenal character slash talent He transcends size and weight and all that now. And some guys do, very few, mind you. But some guys do. Um, I'm a vet guy, 26 years, but guess what? I can still do a corkscrew plancha. I I, I don't unless it is absolutely necessary or there's some – if there's a pay-per-view camera on, I would be more inclined to do something like that. I think it's a part of our business. I think a lot of old veteran guys do not like it because they can't do it. Um, I think it needs to be regulated somewhat, I guess would be my my opinion. I see, I see good and bad on both sides. Do I think it is mainstream and it's going to draw big money in the wrestling business? No. I think it's a part of our business. I think it's an important part. Is it ever going to be the mainstream part of our business? No. Um, a strong character and heat is what draws money in our business. That's what I believe. And I've always believed that. I don't think that's ever tra- just never going to change. What gets people emotionally excited is what's going to
0: sell tickets. Mm. Okay. I, I agree, John, because, you know, it, it just kind of taking uh, one of the WWE's uh, concepts, for example, like the 205 Live show, Like those mm-hmm. guys are some of the best athletes in the business. And, and you know, they, they can put on these great matches. But the reason I think – it's not connecting with the fans is they haven't given us a reason to care about these characters. They haven't given us a reason to, you know, care why TJ Perkins is doing uh, this or, or why Rick Swan is doing this. And so you've got these great matches, but at the end of the day, it, it draws money or, or connects with a new audience. Right. Well, and, and here's what I explained to the, and, and I don't want to discourage
3: any young guy who does that. I, that's never my intention. Um, because I'm going to be honest with you I was told repeatedly That I was too small to be in the wrestling business hmm. At my biggest I was 240 pounds And a 500 pound bench press <laughs> At my leanest nice. I was 185 pounds And I'm roughly I don't, I don't mince Roughly in my boots I'm 5'9". Okay, hmm. So I, I've always been a smaller guy and Even when I was really really heavy And, and a severe weightlifter which I still am, I'm just a leaner, much leaner right now, I was still a small guy for the wrestling business. So I understand it. Um, you know, the Cruiserweight division in, in WCW, the Nitro years, was the meat and potatoes of that show. They were the work-everyday guys. Yes, and people were tuning in to see them. But if you look at those guys, the ones who transcended were obviously Chris Jericho, uh, Eddie Guerrero. What do these guys yes. all have in common? phenomenal connection with their audience. Phenomenal entertainers. The only guy from that group, to me, that transisted and didn't really have that was Benoit, but Benoit was borderline a heavyweight. He kind of fell in that middle category, but he was so intense and so believable Mm -hmm. he didn't have to have strong character. But he's one of the few guys that could do that. I
2: forgot about that. Hmm i got to ask, I, I, and I'm just curious because i got to throw it out there right now with with him not being here this week. How, how did you come across meeting our, our uh, partner in crime here who's absent this week, Alex Cruz, and <laughs> what is your um, association with uh, the Elevate Pro, if I'm not mistaken? Is that what it's called, Elevate yeah. Pro?
3: Uh, the group is called Elevate Pro. Pro. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, he was uh, apparently a wrestling student. With another company, Um, I guess uh, for whatever reason, decided not to work with that company. One thing I do is I scout talent. I've I've been a I've been a booker for many, many different groups over the last 20-some odd years, especially in the deep south. I've always looked for talent. If I'm at 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 an event and there's new guys around, I want to see them. What does this guy do? What is you know what's you know how talented. Uh, my now tag team partner had, Was a relocate guy from San Antonio, Texas He stuck mm-hmm. out of the show I'm like, okay, what's this? It was a very small independent show And I'm going to be honest, I was surprised I was there But the promoter mm-hmm. The promoter paid me, so I was there And I thought, okay, mm-hmm. wow, this kid's he's 6'4 he gets, He's got a great look well, What's he doing here? Uh, Alex was kind of like that I, I wasn't. I didn't really know Alex And uh, ended up uh once they started to do some business, he contacted me. Um, I have quite a reputation in the South, so he contacted me and we spoke over the phone. Uh, said he may be interested in doing business. I ended up seeing him on a, on another show, and I thought, okay, great. He's a great looking kid. He's, he's a handsome young man. He's uh, I noticed his ring viewer right off the bat. Okay, this kid's really decked out. He's put some money into what he's doing. And he was a real, real positive human being. One thing I liked about the kid Absolutely. is super positive. And he drew a tough card the very first night because he had to work with Bordell Walker. If y'all know Bordel. Yes,
0: yeah. mm-hmm. Bordel
3: yeah. is phenomenal. I am very proud to call him my brother, um, but he is also my toughest opponent.
1: <laughs> and when I say that,
3: I mean, Bordel is been, is just. He's he's reincarnated Bessie, and I and I love that about him. Wow, and you, that's a good there comparison The kid and there. held his own, uh, held his own, and I thought, wow, man, this kid's got some real salt. Because that's what I always like to see. I like to see a young guy with a veteran. How does this kid handle himself? How what's his attitude? Um, does is, did you ever think he's a superstar? I like not none of those things. I just thought he'd be just a just a really good kid who had he had a vision. Um, and we just kinda we we kinda exchanged phone calls. Um, I got booked on one of his shows. Um it was uh interesting to say the least. Um I think maybe it just kinda evolved a little bit. Once we got to know each other, they opened a training facility, I was approached to be one of the trainers. Um Hmm. I've always stayed away from training guys for because I always felt like I am just really too harsh. I'm very less Thatcher. If anybody out there who's got the less, uh, yes, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, th- a Thatcher guy. Um, he's very harsh. Uh, I'm, a, I'm the same way. Very harsh. Um, so what I did is I agreed to come in. I come in about once a week for for this school, and, and I work with the young guy, the, the younger guys and girls, and uh, we've kind of just developed a rapport that way. But in grilling Alex. It was okay. Kim, what are you doing? What's your vision? Where are you trying to go? What's what's reality to you? What's fantasy? Uh, he just he had a lot of good answers. And the main thing is, it was all about being positive. And in all hmm. the industries, you all know uh, that sometimes that's very difficult to do. So, I hence, I, I, and I think, hence the the Twitter from Randy Orton. Uh, you know, the first thing I thought is, wow, this is going to get the exact response he wants it to. Um, yeah. The fact that so many people got offended by it. Um, the truth of the matter is, I wasn't offended at all. I kind of, I kind of applaud what he said in one sense. And the reason I say that is, there's a lot of guys out there trying to be in this industry now that have no business being in this industry, and they are doing mm-hmm. what I call stunts. But they're doing these stunts to the extreme point of naming themselves. I've seen stuff on the internet that just makes me cringe and I'm like, oh geez, I can't imagine that. Um, So I think that is kind of one of those things where you have to draw the line somewhere. Kind of like extreme wrestling. Um, Once Cactus has jumped off the top of the cage through the table, I told people, well, it just died. Because what, you can't top what he just did. You'd have to kill nope. somebody. You'd literally have to kill somebody, and it's been imitated. Of course, Shane did it at Mania. Of course, everybody knew it was a um, yeah, You just can't replicate that. It, it's got a ceiling, I guess, is what I'm saying.
2: Sure did. Um, I think 205, I, I get, and this is what I explained. I'm sorry, go right ahead. Mm-hmm. I, I ramble so bad. No, no, no. No, because it was actually it was, it was kind of a second half to the question that I was refer, referring to when uh, you're meeting Alex and, and your guys' association together. It was going towards the sense, because you actually touched on it a little bit, that there's a lot of people that are in the wrestling business that shouldn't necessarily be in it. But I know with a lot of these young kids that get in it, they think that there's gonna, they're going to be going in there and, and it's running the ropes and taking bumps, and they have no idea. Now, clearly, I'm no wrestler. I don't ever claim to be one. But I know one of the biggest things that I've ever heard from any of the guests that have ever been on the show or even meeting them in person, conditioning, is you have yes. to be in good shape to be even in the ring. You have mm-hmm. to you have to be working out five to six days, maybe even seven days a week just to stay in shape to be able to run those. They don't they think they're going to jump right in there the very first day and be like, okay, I'm going <laughs> to jump off the top rope and be a yeah, superfly Jimmy Snooker, God rest his soul, or something. And as I said, I'm not a wrestler, but even I know. That, that we have to be in good shape to do this. If you're not, you don't have any business being in the right kind of
3: business. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and I love the fact that you brought that up. Um, good, good example of that, and I've heard this before you see a lot of really overweight guys wearing t shirts. Well, next thing you knew, here was, here was Kevin Stain on the mm-hmm. wrong. And I'm going to be honest with you, I, I, don't, I don't know Kevin. I've never worked with him, we've worked with a lot of the same people. I had not had an occasion to be around him on the independence, but I did have a conversation uh with Tommy Draymond, who I've worked with a lot. And and I questioned Tommy about him because I knew he had done some work with him. I said, I don't see I don't see this kid, I don't see money here, I don't get it. And he it's I said, Don't get me wrong, he's in ring talented, I see that. But I just don't see how they could ever market him in Vince's world to make money. And you know, the funny thing not is, true. um, Tommy Dreamer looked right at me, and he said, well, I'm going to tell you this much. If they let him be him, if they allow him to be who he is rather than to create some goofy character or something, something else with him, he will be a huge heel for that company, and he will be a huge success. And I looked, and I said, Tommy, are you sure about this? He said, I, I guarantee it. I don't think they will, but if they do, and they did. And I'm going to tell you, uh, the first thing, uh, when I, <laughs> I was being a dreamer, I said, wow, boy, as a booker, mm. I would have missed on this big time."
1: But once <laughs> again,
3: I think, because his character is so strong, that the other yep. thing people yep. need yeah. to understand, there are guys that look like him. And one of them, you may or may not have come across a, a guy named Jason Dukes out, out of Chicago. Um, he worked with Gary and St. Cloud Posse a lot him and Raven had a, a thing going you know he looked like the, a small version of Playboy Buddy Rose he was trained by hmm. Sonny Rogers phenomenal talent and people say oh but he's such a fat guy and I'm like yeah but you don't understand he's in the gym four days his cardio is phenomenal
1: he just eats
3: like garbage he did, <laughs> I said <laughs> what you didn't know is he had a tryout to play pro baseball he tried out as a catcher with the Atlanta Braves Jason just likes to eat. Oh, wow. I said, but he, his cardio, he can do with anybody. Uh, hell, I seen him do 20 minutes with Tiger Mask years ago. Him and Jay Lethal mm. had a, a phenomenal mask together. Uh, D- D- Sean Devari, we had a conversation about him. He said, you know, I went all the way to Chicago looked at this guy. thought, wow, that's what I have to work with? He said, then I got in the ring with him and thought, Jesus, this guy's one of the most talented people ever. And I laughed. I said, I think that's how everybody's excited. Um, The conditioning... I think is the part that people don't, guys don't get. Now, once they get to the facility, and I do everything with the trainees, I tell every one of them, I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I can't do, and I have children older than you.
1: And <laughs> that's where,
3: and, and I, I can tell the first couple of times, they're looking and thinking, man, this, this guy's going to kill me. And I laugh and tell them I'm an old man. What are you going to do with a, a guy, what would you do with a guy like AJ Styles? You know, I mean, you're talking about a machine. So, uh, I I love that you brought that up. A lot of people just they don't consider that. They don't think about the, the amount of conditioning it takes. And I'm and I'm meaning being on a professional level. And I'm not talking bottom the barrel independent guys. Who, there's a lot of that, hometown wrestling that you know people get in for five bucks and and you wish you got your money back. I'm talking about two hmm. professionals. Guys trying to have a career trying to make money because, once again, it's a business, and they should be trying to make money out of it. Sure. Mm.
0: Well, John, you know, you talk about wearing all these hats, whether you're talking about training or booking or being a promoter or actually being in the ring. Out of all of these roles that you've had over the years, what what would you say has been your favorite and and maybe what's been the most challenging?
3: Oh, wow. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) My favorite is performing. Mm. There's, you know, I, I try to explain it to, to people who are, are not in entertainment in any form, and I'm, and they don't get it. Um, I mean, it is something about when you connect with an audience, and you 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 just have them, and you know you got them, and I can take them wherever I want to go with them, and you get that energy, and they give it back to you. Um, you, you just, it, it's an incredible, incredible thing. Um, I tell people the most exciting thing for me still to this day is when I, when I go into the arena and I see a, a blue collar guy and he's there with his two children and his wife. And, and I'll say, Hey, you know what? That guy had to work so many hours this week to afford tickets to come pay to watch what I'm doing. And that still astounds me. I'm like, people actually pay money to see me do this. Um, I think a lot of guys take that lightly after a period of time. I don't. Um, I always remember that, hey, you know, these people these people had to work jobs to buy tickets to this. So it's my job to make sure they get their money's worth. Um, as far as challenging, I'm going to be honest with you, being a booker is hideous. Um, if I am booking somewhere, I tell people, you know I'm making more money because when you have to hire and fire guys, it makes you very, very unpopular.
1: Mm-hmm. They love
3: you when you give them a job, but when you run out of stuff for them to do, and it's not personal, it's just business. They're, of course, they're mad because they're out of a job, uh, you know, or it's less money they're making because you know they're not getting that booking. So, that really, it's everybody wants to be the book. Everybody wants to be in charge to try their ideas, and I, and I understand. That. But I'm going to tell you what Paul Barry told me, and William Moody was a very personal friend of mine. I learned learned a lot working with with him, and one day he looked at me. We were working for a group called Gulf South, which was his independent promotion that he ran. And he said, you know, he said, Zach, I think you're the only guy that could do Lauren and John Lauren job as well as him. And I didn't even know how to take that. I looked at him and said, maybe I don't know if that's an insult or an accolade. I don't even (laughs) understand. He He said, no. He said, that's a good thing because it's never personal with you. It's always just business. He said, "When you're outside of here, you, you're personal." He said, "But in here, you're always a businessman." I said, "Well, I'm glad you get that, because when I have to let somebody go,
1: <laughs>
3: I'm, oh, I'm, I'm terrible, you know." But it's it's of natural beast. If you ask any booker, and I mean go all the way back to the beginning days, uh, you know Kevin Sullivan booked in a lot of territories, and I'm sure mm, he sure would tell did. you the hideous thing is when you have to you have to let people go. And special to people you like, so it's it's not a it's not a fun job.
2: It's really not. Now, winding this up as far as like the last thing that I would ask you in this case to that or to a couple of questions we were talking about earlier. What if let's just say a young man or a young woman would come up to you and say, "Look, Mr. Saxon, I am a fan of the wrestling business. I have been a fan since I was a kid. I want to get into the business." What do I need to do? Where do I need to go? Could you help me or at least point me in the right direction to where I need to go get started? And kind of lead it off to that. That would be kind of the way to close that out, I think, because I know that there are a lot of kids out there that actually do want to get in but don't have a clue about how to get in. Now, obviously, back in the day, in the 90s, even in the 80s, or even going back to the 70s, it was hard to get in, and they kept it very guarded. But now there are so many schools out there and really reputable ones at that. Yeah.
3: Well, and, and that's, that's, you know, the first thing I always tell a young man or, or a young lady is I want to be the wrestling I automatically tell them, no, you don't.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> and they look at me like, listen to what I'm telling you. And then I would generally ask them, what, do, what else do you do? Oh, well, I'm a student. And the first thing I tell them is, okay, let me give you the best piece of advice I can ever give you. Go to school. Even if you want to pursue wrestling, I'm not telling you not to do it, but get an education, get a college degree, do it part-time. Don't try to make it a career. Do it part time until you got a degree. Now that you have something to fall back on, then then pursue it full time. Um, mainly because in our industry, it's feast or famine. Uh, there were times that money was rolling in, and it was it was a, it was a full time job for me, and I really was great. And then there's other times when you're about to starve to death, and it's like, okay, this is terrible. I'm not getting booked. Um, the other thing I always ask them is demographically. You have so many guys out there that are teaching, and, and I call it teaching now. Yeah. Um, it's always, okay, kid, where are you at? Because what I always try to do is push them to, to the most reputable place where I know they're going to get the actual education of our business. Um, Texas is very easy. You have Rudy Boy Gonzalez in the San Antonio area, who was obviously Amazing from guy. Michaels' school. Rudy is a an old-schooler. Met him in 1987 when he was doing uh, opening matches for WCW. We've known each other a long time. Um, Good man. He is, you know, great guy. Uh, Chris Marvel would be another one who's recently opened a hybrid school. Chris is a very talented guy. Um, you know, either one of them might have no problem sending somebody and saying, hey, this is a guy that's going to
1: teach you
3: what you need to know. He's not going to have you doing backflips in two weeks. Matter of fact, you probably won't touch the ropes yet. But if you're <laughs> going to get a quality base. Um, then there's there's just so many people out there in different areas. Um, I've never worked with. Les Thatcher was actually Master a good one Badger. too. Um, you know his reputation's good. Um, it, God, there's so many. I mean, and, and pretty much. Every state almost has somebody that has a really reputable school that's doing really good stuff. Uh, That's the main thing. Is I always tell them check the background of the person who's trying to train you. Ask them, you know, for references. One thing I always do is offer references to people. And uh, that way, if you're in this industry on any real level, you have your references. And my list is very long and very distinguished. And uh, that's why I always tell people, hey. As a promoter or a broker, here are the people that will tell you what I do. And of course, William Moody would have been one of them. He passed away. Les Thatcher uh, would would come to mind immediately because I'm I'm one of Thatcher's people. Um, I've worked with pretty much everybody at one time or another. So, but uh, for all the guys and gals wanting to do it, that's going to be the main thing: It's find a reputable place. But for goodness sakes, have something else have something else to fall back on because this industry is the most brutal thing. I, I can never reiterate to people enough how tough this industry is. And I don't mean just physically, emotionally, spiritually. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, no, I was just going to tell you, no, I agree with you in a sense because I, I had actually Mr. Thatcher on my show about about a year and a half ago, two years ago at the very most. And okay. it was definitely a learning experience on my, on my end because he, he went back to his days as well, and a lot of what you touched on tonight is definitely a lot of. I could tell you, you're, you're definitely from the old school with, with working with uh, Mr. Mr. Thatcher as well. He, he, you guys said a lot of similar things in the fact of how you guys approach the wrestling business as a whole, and you learn you learn from a good man, and you have definitely taught a lot of good people as well. So I do appreciate that you you uh, you have given us this time tonight. Now, I want to ask, of course, Nate, did you have any more questions for Mr. Saxon? We don't want to keep him on too late tonight. Yeah, I guess
0: my last question would be, because this is, like you said, Felix, been has been a really great conversation, kind of spanning a bunch of different topics we wanted to touch on this week. But, you know, you talk about advice and, and giving out the best advice to these young uh, men and women that, that come to you looking for an opportunity to kind of, apply their craft. I'm wondering what's the best advice that you've been given over your 26 years in the business? What's the best piece of advice that somebody's given to John Saxon? <laughs> Honestly,
3: uh, it, it, funny you should say that. I, I'm going to say probably probably the best piece of advice I was given, um, I worked for the local coliseum in my hometown um, when I was trying to break into wrestling. Um, that is where I kind of got a foothold meeting. I met Ron West, who had took over Continental Wrestling from the Fuller family, um, mm-hmm. a few other people, and uh, WCW had a show in, uh, in the Coliseum. Once, once the event was over, everybody was cleared out. I worked there. I'm still there. I walked out to the ring, and uh, there's an elderly man, and he's tearing down the ring basically by himself. And I struck up the conversation with the man, and he said, uh, I said, hey, you know, do you like what you do? And he kind of laughed. He said, are you interested in the wrestling business, kid? I said, yes, sir, my whole life. I said, it's uh, the one thing I've wanted to do, and I've been trying to get into it. And he said, "Uh, well, let me case something. He said, I've done everything in the wrestling business. He said, I've been a wrestler, a referee, a promoter, an owner a TV spokesman, and he just goes down the list of stuff. He said, my best advice to a guy who wants to be a pro wrestler, just be a wrestler. Get to the building, put your gear on, do your job, put your stuff back in your bag, and go home. I said, really? He said, yes, sir. But I didn't realize at the time, he, said, and he asked me my name, and I said, and He said, I'm Joe Blasher. <laughs> and I always spelled down. Because here was, yes. Here was Smoking Joe Blanchard, probably, I'm going to guess, I, he had to be in his 70s. And hmm. guy who was owner of Southwest uh, was a very successful promoter, was a very successful wrestler, had done it all. And here he is at 70 some odd years old, taking down a ring for World Championship Wrestling. And I was amazed. And that wow. stuck with me. And I didn't quite understand until later on when I actually did some booking and did some other stuff in our industry. And I'm like, yeah, being, being, a, being a, an employee, just wrestling is way better
1: <laughs>
3: because it's way up that age. So I'm going to say if that was just the best advice as far as the business as a whole, I got it indiscriminately from Joe Blanchard before I actually got into the wrestling business. And, uh, hmm. he was, you know, I, I always, I remember that day like it was yesterday and, uh, I've watched the industry change, much like y'all were speaking. And, and, and guys, forgive me, I get along with it. I'm sure there's a lot of the stuff y'all want to talk about other than me. But one thing I I would like to point out for anybody listening, and it is regards to the the, the Junior Heavyweight guys, the 205. The reason people need to understand, and, and, and especially independent guys, the 205 was created because WWE has a network.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Your two oh five fan base is almost like your E C W fan base was. It's a cult following. They're a very strong, very vocal minority crowd. Uh they have gotten bigger, mind you. But they're still they're not mainstream. They're not a Randy Orton or a um, um you know, who whoever's on top right now. You you're you're very pushed top of John Cena's your two oh five was created so that fan base would finally break down and order the network. Because there was there's money to be made there. Somebody yep. in marketing said, you know, we're missing out because there's these people who follow junior heavyweight wrestling or two oh five they're calling it. Okay, we're not getting them, they're not subscribing because we don't have what that demographic wants. Hence Let's bring in guys like Austin Aries, who is obviously phenomenal. Neville, who does phenomenal stuff. That was to capture a certain amount of money in a market that they weren't getting. Much like with the females, they have a demographic and a market. And when younger guys in our industry start to learn that, what do you have that sells tickets? If you're doing backflips and there's seven other guys on the show doing that, then guess what? There's a ton of you doing it. There's a reason Austin Aries is there. He has a phenomenal connection. He's one of those guys that can connect with an audience. He's got a good worker, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Not only is he can he do everything physically, if given the opportunity, he can generally connect with a crowd. Um, mm-hmm. That is what those young men need to look at. I'm not saying there's no chance to What I'm saying is if you see a bunch of other guys doing it. you, and you need to be a little different. You need to stand out a little more because it's a demographic. Much like, and I'm going to throw a shout out to my boy because he is getting a huge push. I actually turned on SmackDown tonight. <laughs> uh, hmm. Good example of a, a, a right place, right time. I got to work with Jinder Mahal, and I got to know Jinder hmm. personally while he was not with WWE. And watching him tonight was like night and day and I love it because I sit back and I watch the fans response I don't get it and I'm thinking you're rage listen to how mad you are over this guy getting a push
1: <laughs> well there's a
3: reason for that you're supposed to be mad and I sit yep. back and I think that's the whole point gentlemen that's when when I saw gender do the spot at Mania with um, Gronkowski and our business yeah. guys that's a push I said okay something's going on here. I sent him a text and I said hey bro Nice Gronkowski! Wow, that'll make ESPN, which it did. Um, mm-hmm. And I had a few people think, "Wow, why would that happen?" I said, "Why didn't it happen the first time?" First of all, he's Indian, okay. Even though he grew up in Canada, he's he's Indian. Mm-hmm. They're going into an Indian market. They, there's a billion people in India. Why would they not yep. want to push him when they're going into that market? So right there, he's worth money to them. He's six six in phenomenal shape. Matter of fact, he got me. Back into the diet. Once I saw him, I was like, "Oh, geez, let me get really harsh on my diet now,"
1: because <laughs> it motivated me.
3: But those are the things that young indie independent guys need to pay attention to. It's not the backflips. That's not what. The, that's not. That's not the business. Okay. You got a lot of young guys that do that stuff. Uh, are y'all familiar with Jason Kincaid? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I did a Best of Seven series of TV with Kincaid and with TCW. I love Kincaid. He is so talented. Mm -hmm. And I would tell people constantly, you know, he can do anything. But his character is what makes people pay attention to him. It's the dreadlocks, the beard, the Mm – I call him the technical wizard because to me I'm looking at him like, dude, you look like a wizard to me. You look totally different than anybody (laughs) (laughs) else. And if more young guys – more young guys would focus on that rather than being hey I'm a guy with trunks doing backflips and I can do all this really cool stuff. Well, there's a million of mm-hmm. y'all. Yep. So stand out. Have that character thing where they say, Hey, we gotta have this because nobody's doing this You know. And that, I guess I guess that would be my my advice to you, Character is characters will keep you here. I mean, being an athlete is great, but we got a lot of athletes. You got to be something more than that. So, mm-hmm. but uh, that would be—it's uh, it, an interesting time for the business guy, and I'm—I'm and I'm glad to see the junior heavies finally getting more—you know—more than they would normally. But once again, they always—we always have to remember where's—where's your—you know—there's levels in this business. Where's your level? Where's your spot at? And grab yep. that spot and be good at that spot, you know. And then hopefully you'll get a better one, which much like AJ did, because. I was around when AJ started. <laughs> I remember when he was just a kid from Cornelius, Georgia, you know. Uh, <laughs> and I look and think, wow. That, and, and he was an athlete back then. I thought, wow, man, this kid can do anything. But if you would asked me then, would this guy be in that upper percentile working for Vincent McMahon, I would have thought, no way. So, once again, he trained, he transisted. And sometimes, you know, sure. hard work pays off. And, and he's a... He's a prime example of hard work paid off. Because when I was at TNA, they tried to hire him then, and he turned the top. And people said, oh, why would he do that? I said, well, because it wasn't his time yet. He got lost in mm. the shuffle in about five minutes, and where did he go from there? Instead, they finally yeah. came to him. <laughs> you know, so, hey, good Yeah, him. That's, you know, phenomenal stories. So.
2: Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us, Mr. Sacklin. And I do want to ask... Oh, anytime, um, if the uh, the wrestling fans want to keep up with what you're doing and then your next appearances and so forth, your next matches or your next shows it's going to be part of, how, how can they do that?
1: The best thing,
3: I have not transitioned into Twitter and uh, Instagram and all that. Mm-hmm.
1: Facebook is really
3: uh, – you hit me up on uh, John Saxon on Facebook. I am um, I'm, I'm very active on there. Um, and I am somewhere – Right now, every week. Um, they can catch me there. Elite Championship Wrestling out of Louisiana is kind of my home base. A uh, lot of superior talent out of out of that company. They can also look at the Elite page. Soon to be, I guess, uh, doing a, a deal back with the NWA July 8th with Billy Corgan's group. Um, mm-hmm. just got called for that yeah. in the last okay. couple of days. Okay. Um, of course, I did have to... NWA junior heavyweight title this year, which I just relinquished recently. Uh, hmm. But looks like I'm 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 going to be in for the initial deal with Corbin. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, hit me up on Facebook. Um, you know, follow me, please. <laughs> I need all the fans I can get at
1: this <laughs> point. <laughs> You, you, you gotta get
3: on no, Twitter, John. That, that's where
0: that, that's where all the best uh, wrestling arguments are had. Every week there's something <laughs> that the fans get crazy about.
3: Well, that, you that know, keep, my my tag partner is younger, and he is so into all that. He's like, "Man, I did this much in t-shirt sales on just off of Twitter this week," and I'm like, "You're kidding me." He goes, "You need to do this." I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right. I'm
0: missing out on opportunities there." So. so yeah i mean it it's a new uh it's a new economy yes
3: yeah, that's that's what i'm signing out but i when it comes to technology I'm always a little slow in the curve there i'm, I'm it
2: takes me a minute so <laughs> well, I'll tell you what though i know you never know what the future holds and you know when the time comes and we decide that we if we decide you know if you're if of course if you're available uh if you wanted to bring it back we 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 might actually be hearing that you uh might have joined the Twitter world, joined the dark side, if you will, and
0: actually <laughs> uh-huh. making a
2: profit off of that. You never know. I say Twitter the dark side because you just never know what kind of shenanigans you see on Twitter. As obviously we've well right. we talked about tonight, but um, definitely we, we we you know it's always a good conversation when you know you got a good storyteller such as yourself on just telling stories and, and sharing your experiences because you never know who it might actually be helping or even inspiring to possibly pursue their 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 dream of choice, or even if that dream would be the wrestling business. But um, sure, again, sure. I want to thank you so and much, Mr. Saxon, for for taking time with us tonight.
3: I I, totally, I have totally enjoyed it, guys. Y'all hit me up anytime. Um, I'd be more than happy to come on and just say it, it, it's still fun for me to talk in the industry with people. And like I said, I'm I'm still somewhat booking for a couple of smaller companies, so I have to I kind of keep my thumb on what's 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 going on now. And that's the other thing, guys. If you're a veteran guy and you're still out there, stop griping. Evolve with the business, and you'll be a lot happier. Mm.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Got to be able to do good stuff days if you
2: want to survive. That is so true. That is so true. All righty. well, we don't want to keep you on too much later now, Mr. Saxon. I thank you again for joining us, and I'll definitely be in touch with you again sometime in the future.
3: Uh, absolutely, you guys. I appreciate y'all having me on. Y'all
2: hit me up any time. All right. Good talking have to you, brother. Night, All right. Y'all have a good evening. bye now. All right. The one and only Mr. John Saxon, a uh, wealth of knowledge behind his, his legendary career. I say legendary because yes. to be in the wrestling business as long as he has and worked with some of the names he's worked with and the experiences he's had to share and was, was able to share even some of those tonight, you know not to be able to be in the wrestling business as long as he has been that's an accomplishment in itself you know mm-hmm. you know he he, he works he worked for wCW he worked for tNA you know he probably even did a few of the dark matches at WWE but you know there was so much to still work with there I could see a, a definite part three with him because I had him on um, <laughs> and I had their to touch base on a lot of things that he talked about that, that a certain friend of ours, no name mentioned, had, was, was, had talked <laughs> to me about at one point a few, a few years ago his, his dire passion. I mean, you could feel this is what he wanted to do. And he was going to stop at nothing until he did it. And he's like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to this school. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. And then when he starts talking to some of the vets and they tell him what Mr. Jackson has actually talked about, conditioning. Uh, getting that education. It was Mm -hmm. almost like a downer for him. And he was like, it kind of turned, but in the same sense, it might have been a blessing for him because he kind of turned that over into a different passion he never knew he had. And that was in the fitness industry. So you never know what you can learn by, by realizing that maybe these old wrestlers, they know what they're talking about. They wouldn't tell you these things to try to deter you from being in the wrestling business and say, no, it's not a good idea. Don't do it. But there's other things out there. You know, you got to definitely pursue an education. You got to stay in good shape. You got to do this. You got to, you know, there's things that they look for. And above anything, you have to have character. Yeah, you can wrestle, but if you don't, if you can't talk, you can't sell yourself. What well, good are you? Mm-hmm. At least to them. You know. Yeah, it, well, it was, it was know, really great. That is what it is. It was
0: just kind of, it was it was great being able to talk to John this week in particular. You know, considering all the the nonsense that went down on social media over the weekend and just kind of this clash between, you know, quote unquote old school and new school. And I I think the thing I like the best about John Felix is he is definitely old school. Like like you cannot say that that man is not old school, but at the same time <laughs> he says at the end, you know, you have to be able to evolve. You know, you just can't be the the angry old man shaking his fist telling the teenagers to get off your lawn. You know, you you can keep your old school sensibilities but still evolve and change and, and come up keep up with times and uh, i thought it was just a really cool uh conversation with
2: john and uh, it was it was a great week for it and you know <laughs> it, it's funny I, all these all things considered i wasn't sure exactly what was going to happen this week because I kn- obviously I knew alex was going to be out of town and uh like well I hadn't heard from nate I'm hoping he's not he's, he's feeling okay that like he's not sick or anything and i'm like well, man. and then I look and I see you, you read my post so, or my 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 uh, message I sent to, to the group there. Like, okay. He'll be here. Okay. Fashionably late, but he'll be here. That's, that, <laughs> that's our guy right there. So no, I was like, I wasn't sure cause I hadn't. Cause you know, obviously we, we, we can't, we stay in communication, but if it's an emergency, that's usually when we talk the most. I know with, with right. Alex, I know he, he had he helped in setting this up as far as getting uh, John back on the show. And he's also got another guest that he's got lined up for the next, next show we have. But, um, you're too quiet, Nate. You're, you're so quiet on the on the on the home front for you. I'm like, well, my goodness, is 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 he doing all right? He's just too damn busy. I'm just saying, he is. He has no voice left. He's he's now the voiceless. He don't have a voice. No, I'm kidding. I'm really kidding. <laughs> but um, because you've been so busy, man. I know you've been busy. That's why I was like, I don't see you very much on social media very often. And when I do see you, well, you're you're definitely busy. I know that.
0: Oh yeah. Between uh between the different shows and then the uh, you know the nine to five job and trying to get some other jobs in the uh, radio industry you know just trying to trying to maximize my potential uh it's it's been a busy couple weeks brother
2: I believe it but um
0: but it, I mean it, it was good overall- to it was good to be be able to come back and and uh talk with uh, John and, and, and uh, you know, get get back in the groove of things because it feels like, man, it feels like it's been a while since it's just been you and me, Felix. I mean, it's been you and and me and Alex <laughs> and then me and Alex. And it feels like a while since it's just been you and me. So <laughs>
2: no no shade oh. on the
0: Aztec Warrior. But, uh, you know, it's just good to <laughs> reconnect with you, Felix.
2: <laughs> oh, well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. No, that's, you know, it has been a while because at this point, uh, like I was telling you when Towards the end of last year I wasn't even sure what I was going to do with, with, with the show You know, I mean I had contemplated retirement I had contemplated, you know, stepping down Because, I, you know, I, even now I still think about it, so, you know, we have done so much With this show It's 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 moved on with the times Where, where you know, like I said in the, you know, Many times over Bringing it back in the beginning I never anticipated doing what we've done Talking to who we've talked to You know, the, yeah. the advances we've made with the show and, and so forth. And I give a lot of credit to that, you know, to, in the beginning to Austin, because he, he helped me take, you know, get it off the ground and and take it to another level. And it's just a matter of pursuing it and pursuing it and pursuing it. And sure. We've had people turn us down. Sure. We've had people. <laughs> and I stop at this because yes, we've actually had people try to charge us to bring them on the show. <laughs> now I still stop at that because that's a, that has to be the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like your time is worth $300 an hour. Kiss my effing... Right. never mind. You know, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. Your time, your time's not that valuable. Three hundred dollars, a hundred dollars, and these are some legends that are doing doing this, and so-called indie legends. But you know, that that that. And then I get one. I think I even I don't know if I told you or told Austin about this, but I had one of the wrestling legends, their WWE legends, that uh, actually made fun of the name Pipe Bomb Radio, like he thought it was going to be some kind of terrorist show or something. I'm like I. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Really? Anyway. Not even that, that's gonna what you be get for talking, talking about to Hulk Hogan, that
0: man. That's what you get for talking to Terry.
2: I'm not going to touch that one. <laughs> 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 Although. What I, you going to do, I, brother? I you know, if, if I didn't think he would charge an arm and a leg, just like Flair would. Oh, you know he would. To even, you know to, he would. To even talk to them. Because I know yeah. I, I went on Flair's uh, website, gosh, I want to say about two years ago, a year ago, whatever, and for a five-minute conversation, I don't know, if it, did I tell you this? It's $500. Woo! $500 a minute? Am I talking to God? <laughs> well, I guess it is, world. I, guess it, I guess it would be. I mean. Oh, my God. <laughs> he did call himself a uh... God at one point, if you remember. Jeez. I mean
0: that that's how that's how you keep uh, those limousines going, man, and, and those private jets, man.
2: And coincidentally, my friend a friend of mine he messaged me the other day. He says, you know, I was I work in a bank, and you know how I actually had a guy he came in to do a loan or whatever, and he had he says, man, he tells him he says, nice watch. He says, yeah, Rick Flair gave it to me. I said, what? Hmm. Okay, now I know where his money's going. He's buying different. He's buying strangers' Rolex watches. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's mage for you. That's mage for you. Um, he, I mean, to be
0: fair though, Felix, uh, he, he's he's got to charge that money because he's got a lot of ex-wives, man.
2: Oh, let's not even talk about that one. Because if I recall, <laughs> the last you know the, the ex-wife I remember was at his at his retirement in '08. I think that was number three. Yeah. He got married one more time. There was four. And he hasn't married since. He's been with his same girlfriend, uh, Wendy, uh, Fifi, if you will, from WCW, yep. who he's been with for the past couple of years now. And They seem to be promising just that they're not taking that walk down that aisle because it seems like that's been a curse for him.
0: Yeah, yes, it has.
2: <laughs> so, I think that's a smart move. Just stay boyfriend girlfriend. You don't need nothing legally binding because it seems to be a curse for anybody that gets married. If hey, work for uh, a little bit of
0: Who was it, uh, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn? It worked for them.
2: Right, right. And Kurt has been out and and about making movies again, and Goldie just resurfaced again herself, and that movie snatched. And I have to tell you, if you had not seen it, Amy Schumer and her together. Hilarious. I laughed the entire way through. (laughs) And excuse my language, but, yes, uh, when you hear hear this phrase in the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. Your tits out. And I won't say (laughs) who said that. To who? But if you watch that and listen for that phrase, you'll know where I'm talking about. And I had to pardon my language on the show. I usually don't try to cuss very often, but when I, you know, it's a funny moment or if I'm, I'm angry about something, I'm going to voice it. So that said, uh, yes, yes. Uh, a lot going on in the wrestling business. And did I pose this question to you and Alex? I don't remember if I did. Is Dixie Carter out of the picture for TNA? Is she, like, completely, her and the Carter family, have they severed ties with, with, with Impact Wrestling? Are they under Dixon New order? Carter
0: is, she is out in terms of day-to-day running of TNA and in terms of any creative decisions, but she's still with Anthem Sports in a, in a like, a PR role. Uh, so, mm-hmm. technically, she's still with the company. She just doesn't have anything to do with uh, what you watch on the screen from week to week anymore.
2: Smart move. I think so because having Jarrett, having Jeff and Dutch back backstage is definitely beneficial. We'll get to see some actual show instead of whatever the mess we've been seeing all these years. I still say it was the biggest mistake of their life bringing over Hogan and, and Bischoff. I was hoping they could come some. They, they tried to recreate something that wasn't there, that was long gone, and unfortunately it wasn't. They I think they would almost crippled them. I really do, but. They moved on from that point. I think they've been doing some great, great things with the show. And, again, I still have to reiterate the fact that I talked about this on the last show. Josh Matthews, I just want to punch him in the face. An annoying little flea <laughs> Flea, 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 flea I, don't know, I don't know, mosquito, you just want to swat at him. He just keeps come buzzing around you. But it's nice if they're giving JB something to do, I guess. I don't know. What do you think about the whole aspect of Josh?
0: Yeah, I think with Josh, man, like it, like we were talking about the other week, I think he's a great – he plays the character well. Like you said, you, know, you just want to punch him in the face. He plays the character well. I just don't think it works from your commentator. I think if you were a manager or somebody like that, it would be fine. I just think the arguing and the stuff – it's the same thing when Michael Cole was a heel back in the day. Like I think there's a certain – Type of person you want for your lead announcer, you know, because he's got to be the guy that the audience trusts and believes, and and things like that. And so when you've got him playing this character, yes, he's good at the character, but I don't think it's good for you know the, the show when you're trying to watch matches or, or see these storylines get set up, and you got this guy over here who's just annoying.
2: <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't know exactly where they were going with that. They 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 have tried it many times with with commentators over the years. I know with the whole when uh, when Jerry Lawler left uh, WWE back in uh, think back in oh I think it was two thousand one uh, briefly, and yeah. they brought in Paul Heyman and Paul and and although Paul and, and and Jr. They don't hate each other, but their hatred chemistry that they they, they tried to build up was there, and to try to make and Paul be the antagonist there and causing Jr. to fight him and so forth and and then even then going forward with with uh, JBL and and Michael Cole and the whole JBL being the the kind of person he is which we've all yeah. heard rumors and so forth yeah. and even with Taz in the beginning it was rough for Cole with Taz they just they they tried to do this recreation of, of of making some kind of story with with the commentators in a sense. Sometimes it, fall, it fails. Sometimes it goes. I think the whole thing with Cole and, and, and King, it flops, like a, it flopped around like yep. a fish out of water. I think they're trying to recreate this with that, with with Impact in the sense and trying to see if they could push it a little further than WWE did, because really nobody cared. Nobody gave a damn about Cole and, and Lawler, and then putting Steve mm-hmm. Austin into the match just to get attention for it. I'm thinking maybe they can try to see if they could st- take it a step further and try to get well, people Well, and, and, right and then right there, right there,
0: Felix, that. That's why a lot of these things fail. What you're talking about right there, because on a pro wrestling show, pretty much every conflict you have should be leading to a match. And I don't want to see a match between uh, JB and Josh. And, and I think you know, even the thing they did a few weeks ago, where they had like each guy pick a team. Fine, that's that's okay. But to keep it going now, where the only real conclusion. It's for these two guys to fight in the ring. Like, no, nobody needs to see that, man. <laughs> I
1: agree. I agree.
0: But, um,
2: you know, I honestly wish wish Impact Wrestling the best because I like the opportunity that they have. And this is I probably should have asked this to John when we had him on. You know, I almost, there's times when wrestling business is, is going so good that I do feel that old school feel that they were still, like, almost like the Territory Days. Now, obviously, you and I were still very young in the height of the Territory Days, but we do remember it, you know, and the fact that there was always something to watch and there was always something to get invested in if WWE wasn't what you wanted. You had WCW, ECW. you had uh, New Japan. Well, even now, you have New Japan, you know, and the, all, the transition that WWE has been making, they're very smart about how they're approaching this because originally, and if you recall, this is at least my take on it, when you bring in guys from different parts of the globe, uh, different companies and so forth, their age limit, they usually would go for the young guys to breed them into something that they could, rep, you know, to, to market. And now they I mean, it's not that, not that they're not doing that, but they're going for older guys. AJ Styles is one of them. AJ's almost 40. Yeah. You know, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, incredible talent built a name for himself in in Japan, even battling the likes of Brock Lesnar. (laughs) He's closing, he's in his mid to to late 30s as well. You know, look at Bobby Roode, going to be turning 40. You know, these, are the Drew McIntyre. I can go on and on. Austin Aries, another one. So they're not stupid in the sense because they know that these guys still have value to their name. And for the fact Mm -hmm. that they're almost trying to swallow up the entire talent pool that there is out there, both men and women, because I've heard that they've had their eye on a lot of women as well for their upcoming women's tournament. This, this this is going to happen this summer. Yep. And as I said, I don't know. Does WWE know? Feel like they're getting some kind of competition on their tail, so they're really just kind of trying to stomp on it before it really becomes out of control, if you will. What do you mm-hmm.
0: think? That's that's what I think. I think it's two. Well, it's two twofold. I think the one thing is kind of like what John was saying earlier, they know they've got a network to sell, and so they're trying to give a little bit of something for everybody. You know, you've got kid-friendly wrestlers. You've got kind of your, your casual fan wrestlers. Then you've got your hardcore fan wrestlers. And so bringing in AJ and Nakamura and guys like that, that brings hardcore eyeballs to the screen and then maybe gets them to buy the network. But the other thing is, like you were saying, Felix, it's too cut off any competition at the past because TNA, as much as I watch them on a week-to-week basis, they're not really competition anymore. I think the WWE's done a good job no. of kind of cutting ROH off. So ROH isn't even really an option anymore. I think the only real half that's out there is New Japan with the way New Japan is kind of coming into America. And, and you know they just had uh, the tour with uh, Ring of Honor last week. I think New Japan is the one company that has both the talent and the clout, you know, in terms of being the biggest company in Japan. They're the only guys that I think can step to the WWE, and the WWE is like, okay, you want to step to us? Let's take Nakamura. Let's take AJ. Let's take, the you know, the Bullet Club guys. And so, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, part of it is to get a different group of fans watching, but the main reason is to kind of, you know, let's, let's step on the competition before they – they become competition.
2: And speaking of that, I do want to throw out too, and we were talking about commentators, Jim Ross will be making his return to the, the commentating table uh for the upcoming NXT takeover. I think it's just to call one match if I'm not mistaken, but he's gonna be more likely working with uh with NXT more often and on occasion doing these big the big pay per views, uh doing like maybe one yeah. or two matches for the for the show. So good for Jim Ross. I know that WWE they've had their bumpy roads with Jim firing him numerous times, but he still keeps bouncing back. He's a trooper. He's he's been a soldier with the company for well almost two and a half decades, I guess. So yeah, I don't know. Do you think Jim? Do you think Jim still has something left to give? I mean, he's he doesn't have anything left to prove. No, he definitely doesn't have anything left to prove. But I do think you
0: know he has something to give in terms of not just calling. Uh, these matches, but also, you know, from a talent perspective. I think that might've been one of Jim Ross's biggest contributions to this company over the years, talent scouting. Uh, And so, yeah, I think this was actually maybe this is probably one of the the more decent things that WWE's ever done, because I think, you know, there was, there was interest in Jim Ross, of course, from new Japan and also uh, from TNA. Uh, But after his wife passed, you know, I, I don't know, what Jim's interest was in and the WWE brought him in and he, and he called WrestleMania and, and I think, or he called a, a match at WrestleMania. And I think, you know, having him back in that family, I think he said on Twitter, you know, it feels good to be home. Uh, despite all the stuff that's happened over years and how they've mistreated him over the years, I think that, you know, the company and maybe especially somebody like a triple H who, you know, was probably a fan of Jim Ross before he even stepped in a WWE ring. realized it's probably best to you know have this guy back home because not only can he you know add so much excitement to a broadcast by the way he calls a match, but he can help you know find maybe the next superstar that's out there that you don't
2: even know about because of his eye for talent. Definitely, I mean, people will credit John Laurinaitis for a lot, but at the same time, John Johnny Laurin- Ace came in right after Jim Ross, and really had probably one of the toughest jobs you could ever have. And mm-hmm. that's one I just, I just popped into my head right now because we were, we were talking about Johnny Ace. But John, I, I, okay, I'm not going to assume I know anything about him. I just know that he got put in a position that I don't think he was really ready for, but he handled it the best way he could. Now, I think if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I am, uh, is, is that now the job of Triple H to recruit talent now? Or is that something that he shares like with guys like a William Regal or even like a Jim Ross who probably still kind of helps recruit from time to time? Yeah, I think it's probably a committee
0: uh, more so than just Triple H, you know, out on the road, scouting, eating a hot dog at some indie show.
2: Well, I don't <laughs> um, know about that because, you know, Triple H would do that. <laughs> it's, it's a good hot dog.
0: stop. <laughs> <You're soft. laughs> um, He's probably got like a like a team, and, and you know he's also got the uh, partnership with Gabe Sapolsky and Evolve, so that's almost like True. an unofficial uh, unofficial training ground for the company. So yeah, I think Triple H is is in charge of it, but he's probably you know got some other guys that are actually out there on the ground checking out some of these
2: these uh, talents. Now, what's your take on the? Uh... The upcoming uh, pay-per-view backlash. I you know, like I said on the last show, I'm more excited to see this one than I am because of the highly anticipated uh, debut of Sh- Shinsuke Nakamura. I think that one's going to outshine a lot of the matches on the card. No, it's nothing against Jinder Mahal because, on, honestly, I don't have anything against him. I think he, he, he could be a very good quintessential, the old-school version of a, what a bad guy should be because he's, he's not American and he gets natural heat. But, again, that match is probably going to get overshadowed. I really believe that.
0: I think this will be a good show, man. I think it will certainly be better than Payback, uh, which I did not enjoy. Um, I I think that Card has, you know, three really interesting matches at the top uh, with the AJ Styles and Kevin Owens match uh, with – the gender Mahal-Randy Orton match and also with Shinsei Nakamura and uh, Dolph Ziggler. Like, I think those are the three really strong matches. And then you add in a women's match, which should probably be uh, pretty uh, interesting, uh, and that crowd in Chicago. Like I think you've got the makings for a really fun show.
2: I think so. I, I, I do, and I believe I haven't watched SmackDown yet. I have it on DVR at the moment, so I actually have it on pause because I was about to watch it, and I was like, oh, wait, no, no, no I'm not going to watch it yet. I'm not going to watch it yet. <laughs> but I did see something that uh, was brought to my attention that in the new intro for SmackDown, Cena was not on it. Mm. Do you think that he's, Do you think the man himself is starting to wind down his career and look at other ventures to kind of prolong his career, kind of like The Rock has done? Yeah, I think he's going
0: to have that rock slash Undertaker schedule from here on out where, you know, we see the guy maybe, you know, around the big shows. Like, I think he'll, he'll, you'll see Cena pop up, you know, for SummerSlam and maybe the Rumble and obviously WrestleMania shows like that, but he's not going to be your main star anymore. And I think, you know, it's, he's making that transition. He's done some acting. He you know, you talk about Amy Schumer movies. Uh Cena was pretty good in train wreck. So, you know, I I gotta tip my hat to the guy. I think, you know you talk about Jim Ross not having they made him the, to approve John Cena. Oh. oh my
2: god. <laughs> Cena had he had to be the the, the typical muscle head idiot. I could oh my god, yeah. that made him the stupidest man I've ever seen in my life. But they did it well and he played it well. He he he, he obviously yes, played yes, yes, full very well. But I was surprised Train Wreck you could see you could see uh snatched because snatched was very good as well. Just on it up there.
0: I was surprised by train wreck. Like LeBron James was, was all the cameos worked.
2: He, and that, in that sense, Yes, I agree. I agree. And
0: but overall, I, you know, with the, but get, get you back to Cena real quick. Get back to Cena. I think the smartest thing they could do is you know treat this guy like the Undertaker because with uh, and I hate to I hate to keep bringing it up, Felix, but with Undertaker retiring, go they're going to need they're going to need that guy that can come back and you just hear his music and you get an immediate reaction because you haven't seen him for so long. Like now they've they've got The Rock and Cena to kind of fill those two roles. And, and so uh, I, I could definitely see John Cena where this is a guy that comes back for SummerSlam, and then we don't see him again for a couple months.
2: Yeah, you know, and, and, and that's what they were. a lot of people were trying to figure that who would fit that role, to be honest, nobody can fit that role. They have to do their best to get yeah. somebody to take that role because – for a man who gave everything to the to, to their WWE for 27 years, that's a huge role. That's a huge – those are huge boots to fill. And I don't think anybody yep. could really could. And they've talked about names like a like a Bray Wyatt who could fill that mystique-type character. And I believe he could with time. Somebody that could fill that legendary status, that could get a reaction, as you said, from the crowd after being gone for so long and come back and, and, and maybe – He'll always have that, uh, let's go, Cena, Cena sucks chance. That's something that will probably differentiate him from anybody else in the history of the company. So they would still be happy mm-hmm. to see him. So maybe he could take, move into that role of, of, of a locker room leader in that sense. And they could finally move away from the fact that people believe that Cena held a lot of talent down. Whether or not that's true, that's not for me to say. But for the future of the company, they do need to invest in that one leader that could definitely help still carry carry the locker room when it's needed, help control the locker room, excuse me.
0: Yeah, and I think when, when you talk about that role that The Undertaker had, it's maybe other than your world champion, it might be the most important role in the company in, in terms of the person that, is going to be counted on to not only get that reaction, but also if you look back at the last seven or eight WrestleMania, outside of one or two occasions, what was the, like the biggest match or one of the biggest matches on the show? The Undertaker match. And I think Cena's going to fit right into that role <laughs> where, you know, he might not be around all year, but when he comes back, it's to set up a big WrestleMania match. And, and uh, you know, it'll be, you know, one of
2: the top two or three matches on the show. I agree. I agree. I mean, he's proven that he can get in there and mix it up with the, some of the best wrestlers, and I say wrestlers and entertainers out there. If he can get in there and put on a hell of a match with a guy like, like Kurt Angle, who is an Olympic gold medalist for wrestling, wrestling, yep. then who's to say he can't do it with you know some of the younger talent? God, for God's sake, who's to who say that we couldn't see a WrestleMania match with uh, ashinsky Nakamura taking on John Cena? Or for that matter, even an AJ Styles, but I mean, for Cena to take on there's a plethora of talent out there that he could face that would be a main event status that people would want to see him face. So yeah, I, you know, I, I looking at seeing your hero retire, it's never something you want to see. But when it does happen, you have to come to the realization of so many things. And I and I get it. I get it. I don't like it. I understand it, and I get it. So, naturally, as the company keeps rolling on, they need to find somebody to fill that role. And there's not many, you know, older talent that are left. The Triple H is definitely not going to do it. You know, (laughs) he's too much behind the scenes right now that it just wouldn't be smart for him to do it. You know, could that be for Chris Jericho? I don't think Chris really wants to do it. Because he still has a very successful music career that he can lean back on and step away from the ring a while to kind of recuperate, you know, his body and and just take a break. Music to him is is his passion. That's his, that's what he loves to do. Yes. You know, who else is left? Gold dust? Sorry. Not no not a song <laughs> enough talent. <laughs> Our truth? That's not what's up. And he sure he got showed what was up last night. <laughs> so
1: I, I there's just not but many I,
2: I think out part, part, well, part of the bubble
0: is um... Part of the puzzle Felix is that it's got to be somebody that was a top guy you know it's got to be somebody that was at one time the guy that had the company on his back like an Undertaker or like The Rock or like Stone Cold Steve Austin or like Hulk Hogan before he uh started talking reckless you know it's got to be somebody in, in that type of position and so your options are John Cena or Triple H and I don't think Triple H works for the reasons you said you know he's He's got a lot on his plate already. But also, I don't think the fans love Triple H like they love Cena. Even though, you know, you get the let's go Cena, Cena sucks. I think there's a lot of respect that the crowd, even the hardcore fans, have for John Cena that Triple H
2: might not have. True. Well, Triple H, that's another story in itself because they believe the same thing. They said the same thing about him coming up through the business that he was very cutthroat, that he did keep a lot of guys down, like a Booker team. You know, like a gold dust, like a whoever else that they could you know throw out there. So I mean, he falls in the same category as Cena, but he made his way to the top regardless of who he stepped on to get there. Yeah, could he take that role? No, no, I don't think so. I I don't. There's really nothing left for Triple H to have to go out and prove. And then where Triple H is at, Stephanie's not too far behind, and people are sick to death of her already. <laughs> and, and and it's a shame because you know. I I guess during the height Of the Transition from the Attitude Era to the Ruthless Aggression Era Was the McMahon-Helmsley Era And although she does Play a really good heel She never Strays away from that She has always been known For being the biggest bitch in the company And I say that because she embraces it (laughs) Whereas Yeah you expect you expect Shane to 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 be somewhat like his like his sister, polar opposite. He wants to see the advancement of the company and not try to be his not make it his own little monopoly of what he wants and what he who he wants to be on the, on the top and make himself a champion or whatever. As I see that I think I'm not sure if I could say that that be contributing to contributing factors to why. SmackDown has proven to be the best show on the, out of the two right now. Shane understands what he needs to do and does it. He doesn't he doesn't let his personal feelings get involved. Whether he hates somebody or not, that whole thing with AJ Styles irrelevant. They needed to put a match on, so they got that done, and now they moved on from it. And Shane has been all business ever since. Whereas Stephanie, you, you cross her, she's going to make your life a living hell. where she's done that with Sammy James, clearly, and and Nick Foley, and so on and so forth. But, you know, it is what it is. As far as anything else, I don't really know what else I could could say to top that because as far as Stephanie goes, I want to like her. I just just can't. But that's another story. I'm going to leave it alone. I'm going to ask you, though, And people know, obviously, my feelings on Stephanie. I'm not going to reiterate it again, but I'm going to ask you, Nate. Uh, what have you got going on with your shows coming up? Let's talk about that. Let's let's move away from this stuff. And right. I was going to say
0: there's if there's there's three topics that can get Felix going. It's uh, Stephanie McMahon, Triple H, and uh, the Bellas, because you can look what you can't touch, brother.
2: Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> And he's cracking that. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you know. Oh, and speaking uh, of that, you know, I will, I, I will pay respects because we'll say congratulations to to Brian and to Bree for the the the, the birth of their daughter, yes. Birdie Joe. Birdie Joe. Yeah, congratulations. I think congratulations, but I'm scratching, I I'm scratching my damn head because, uh, and no offense, I I love. When new, new, you know, new babies are born and, and they come into the world, I think it's a wonderful experience, and you know what, you know, and so forth. But I gotta wonder sometimes parents, and this is not directed to Brian and Bree at all, but they kind of <laughs> share this in an instance because what the hell are these parents thinking with the names that they give these kids? Look at Kanye's kids. Look at look at you know yep. Siri or Suri or whatever the hell her name is. Tom Cruise's little girl, you know. Just, uh, the hell are y'all smoking, naming your kids these things if you name them? Oh, my God.
0: You know, Daniel Bryan's so again, all about, is... you know, the earth and granola and, he you know, he's, he's a bit of a hippie, so it doesn't surprise me.
2: Birdie Joe.
0: Huh. Huh. <laughs> maybe, maybe he's just a big fan is of Coco it? Beware and he named it after the Birdman.
2: He didn't just say that. <laughs> Tell me you didn't just say that.
1: <laughs> oh my
2: God. That's it. I'm sorry. Yes. You, let's, let's turn it over to, to what, you know, we were going to talk about what's, what's on the horizon for the Godfather. What's he got going on?
0: All right, brother. Well, you can, uh, check me out on Twitter at N the number eight, M O Z A I K at Nate Mosaic. And, uh, Got a bunch of shows as always this week. You can uh, check me out on the Kings of Sport with Marcus Vandenberg, and we're talking about the NBA playoffs. Uh, you can find that at uh, thekingsofsport.com. I've got Place to Be Nation, clotheslines and headlines. You can find that at place to be I've got uh, Keep It 2000, the WCW review show with Brian Mann, uh, which comes out every other week. Uh, so uh, if you're just catching up, right now we are about to get to the reboot when Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff came back in uh, April of 2000 and took over WCW, so we've got some crazy episodes ahead, so you can check that out on uh, Fight Network and Live Audio Wrestling. Uh, every other week with uh, El Jefe and, of course, uh, the absent Aztec warrior, Alex Cruz.
2: Yes, the, 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 there's a man of a thousand holes. There's a man of a thousand four holes. There's a man that wears a thousand uh, five hats. And you've got him on High Bomb Radio this week, Mr. Nate Milton. You know, obviously he had, Chris Jericho and Dean Malenko have nothing on this man. And neither does Jim Ross, for that matter. Uh, <laughs> as, far, <laughs> as far as everything else, we've got uh, another show coming up in about two weeks. let Yep. And actually, this is a, This it's, it's like yeah, this is a, the, one of the few months that we've actually had three shows in one month. Very, it doesn't happen any off very often because our shows are usually twice a month. But yeah, our next show is on the thirtieth. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, we do, and I've spoken to Alex before he, he went out went out on his assignment, and I'm sure he's having a time of his life. Damn it. Anyways, uh, on the thirtieth, <laughs> he, he will be making his return. We'll be talking to him about his. Quote unquote, and I put up the quote fingers, a sign man. Uh, and also, we should have a guest line, lined up as well that he, uh, he, he he and I are working on getting on the show. and Yeah, I think that'll be cool. I think you guys will enjoy it. And there's still going to be lots more to talk about because, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and I believe I've seen this going around for a bit, uh, Lucha Underground could possibly, maybe, well, obviously, they're going to finish up their, their, their season if they, they that they stopped at. And they're looking to get renewed for another season possibly and I, I don't see why not that'd be a good option for them to come back i, I, I like what they produce Yeah. and hope that you know it continues on because they're, they're, they're their company is unlike anything else out there, and that that's what makes them unique. but while Lucha Underground is out of action at the moment, that's why I think we've seen Conan in in, in Wrestling. something to think about there. But otherwise, um, got uh, backlash coming up this Sunday. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on that, what yep. the aftermath and so forth. And otherwise, I think we're going to go ahead and call it a night for tonight. Going to definitely thank our guest, uh, Mr. John Saxon, returning to the show tonight and updating us on how he's been and sharing his uh, his wealth of knowledge. He is a mm. he is a dropping uh, 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 my brain here on, on, on the floor. Les <laughs> Thatcher guy. <laughs> I had to pick up my brain, yeah. and pick it back in my head because I ran a, I just I froze for a second. I was, uh, <laughs> I was, uh, hello, anybody home? Is this thing on? No, okay. <laughs> All right, the Les Thatcher guy. So I, you know, have, I had to throw it out there that we did have last on. Unfortunately, Nate did not get to experience that one, and hopefully, if we ever get Mister Thatcher on, he will be there for that one. Again, because yeah. I know last do, he doesn't do too many interviews, but I'm just thankful that we did get him when we did. But. Um, I don't know about Booker, though. Booker is still the one that that, that, that kind of we're still trying to get because, uh, you know, Nate is definitely wants to be in the presence of royalty. King Booker. We'll get him on the yeah. show. Who knows? One day. Maybe, maybe by the time we get him on the
0: show, he'll be Mayor Booker. Who knows?
2: Ooh, that, may, that might make it harder, though. Hmm. We'll see about that. We'll see. But otherwise, you know, it's been a great show tonight. Uh, Alex, you missed out, pal. But, again, thanks for your help you. in getting uh, John on the show. On behalf of all of us here at Pipe Bomb Radio, of course, the uh, absent Alex Cruz, the godfather Nate Milton, and, of course, myself. They call me El Jefe. I call myself the boss. Either way. Shout out to Elio, to M Canelo. Ah, uh, yes. Got to throw out Elio out there because he definitely has updated our, uh, our YouTube channel with all the shows yes. up to date now. And still the reigning champ of all of our shows Has to be the one that was with Ahmed Johnson, Tony Norris, a few years ago. (laughs) If you don't know why, tune in and find out because it was was something else, let me tell you guys. But, uh, anyways, it was a great show, guys, and we'll be back in about two weeks. Until then, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. Good night, everybody. Good night, Nate. We'll be talking again real soon. All right, brother.
1: Tell me who's that right John the Revelator, who's that right? John the Revelator, who's that right? John the Revelator wrote the book of the seven seals. You know, God walked out in the cool of the day, called Adam by his name. Hear him. The answer cause he wasn't naked and ashamed tell me who's that right John the Revelator who's that right John the Revelator who's that right John the Revelator Revelator wrote the book of the seven seas now Christ had twelve books Three led away He said Watch hope be one hour While I go yonder and pray I Tell me who's that right John the Revelator Who's that right John the Revelator Tell me who's that right John the Revelator Wrote the book of the Sea. Right.